Hi, my name is Dutton. I'm a managing partner starter. We do uh, a lot of work with entrepreneurs in Africa, help them to build high growth businesses. We also do innovation consulting for uh, established businesses that want to scale like startups in Africa. But I think I'm here because I'm the host of a podcast called Building the Future. And I'm here to talk about various things I do in Africa and also with regards to investing uh, uh, through various means that I do that. So this is great to be on Andile's podcast today. Well, Dotun, welcome to the African Tech Roundup. And you're wrong, brother. You're here because you're an all-around great guy, man. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> this this is the table turning around now, right? So I normally interview people, but now I'm now being interviewed. So absolutely, yeah. absolutely, we're making history here. Uh, let's pick up with some of the things you said in your intro. You live in Bristol, and so we were speaking offline before we started the the interview about like all the traveling you do. Where do, do where do I find you now? Currently, I'm in Bristol, uh, but I do tell people that I live at the airport uh, most of the time <laughs> uh, because that's the most constant thing that happens every other month uh, where I am. But my family is in Bristol, uh, but I spend a lot of my time in Nigeria, in Lagos, um, and I do speak at conferences as well. But a lot of my projects that I've been doing in the last uh, maybe 18 months have been in Lagos, so what I'm working with entrepreneurs um, or working with businesses um, or, or startups that want to scale in terms of our group marketing consulting. I do a lot of that in, in Nigeria. Um, so my team, actually, uh, the guys that work with me, they are based in Lagos. That's right. So we're obviously talking about Bristol, uh, England. And uh, give the people a sense of what Starter does. So what does your team do? You alluded to it in your intro, but what's the average day to day for, for Dotun and his team at Starter? Startup is a very interesting uh, entity, actually. So it started initially for me as an experiment. So I came to started coming to Nigeria. My background is in, in the UK. I, I started my first business in the UK. I became uh, I joined a VC firm in the UK, and my role was to look into investing in startups in Africa. And within a very short time, the VC firm realized that our mandate or the way we are structured couldn't invest in Africa. And the idea was for me to go back. And But I decided to stay in Africa and said, I'm going to invest more in the, on the continent, particularly Nigeria, because I'm from Nigeria and Ghana, uh, Kenya, and, and probably South Africa. But I realized where I could play, uh, where I could make the most impact is capacity development. Because I see a lot of entrepreneurs that do pitch to me as an investor with potential VC. Uh, very good idea, smart idea, good market good product, but sometimes without the ability of the entrepreneurs to to execute against that business idea. So uh, I started started to address that particularly. So the idea was, how do we help entrepreneurs in Africa who don't have access to a lot of mentors, who don't have access to tools and resources that I had access to when I was building my, my business in the UK? How do we enable them to be able to build high growth business? So we said that, uh, and actually I said that my, my role here is to help entrepreneurs that want to build a billion dollar business. So I believe that billion dollar business we built in Africa and my role is to help or enable entrepreneurs that we do so. So we started with a lot of content. Uh, uh, writing uh, newsletters. So startups started with newsletters. So our day-to-day -day work is we curate and we write good content on how to build business in Africa, how to how to grow, how to build a team, how to raise money, and all those kind of content. So we have a very good blog, uh, thestarter.com. We produce content, writ written content every week. So my team do that. But the other thing I would people know us for is this newsletter that i write every week so when people go to the starter.com they subscribe and that to this starts newsletter. with uh, an a right s-t-a-r-t-a yes t-h-e-s-t-a-r-t-a.com and one of the most constant thing constant thing that we've been doing in the last almost three years now and uh, and that is what i started with with starter when it was just me was the newsletter so i started with i'm going to be writing newsletter to you if you want to know how to grow your business in africa just subscribe and every week we do two newsletters so one uh, comes from me now it's majorly about a podcast the second one comes from one of my uh, someone in my team called Oni, and she writes about how to grow your business how to do marketing and within a very short time people know us to be the the guys that understand growth marketing, how to grow, how to grow your business using marketing tactics um, and data-driven marketing uh, 
uh, tactics without spending too much money. And and within a short time, we are doing programs like um, workshops uh, and other businesses that are engaging us to to help them build a team, to help them with their marketing uh, um, uh, strategy, content marketing, and stuff like that. So that's what we do on the side. But actually, that's what actually that's that's what pays the bill at Starter. So the growth marketing consulting, the innovation consulting is what actually pays the bill. Uh, but we also do programs for entrepreneurs. So we didn't lose sight of what, we, what what started this in the first place, which is how do we enable entrepreneurs in Africa to build high growth business? So we started developing programs. Initially, it was offline programs uh, and events as well. So uh, in the last two years, we ran one of the biggest conferences in Nigeria, um, actually for West Africa uh, uh, for entrepreneurship. And it's called High Growth, high growth Africa Summit, where we got... Uh, almost 700 people to attend and lots of investors from outside the continent as well. So we're developing programs. So my team is always thinking about how do we enable entrepreneurs to build high growth business in Africa, but also how do we help established businesses to grow like startups? And so we do consulting for them and even startups as well that have raised money and they want to scale, they want to set up their team, they want to figure out their marketing. We do that. So that's what my team does. But uh, on, 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 from from the uh the, the the front end what you see in starter is the content that we produce the podcast the email uh, and the blog post that we write every week is this a lucrative business um it sounds like a hang of a lot of work and definitely work worth doing but um give me a sense of like just how you know rewarding it is in in capitalist terms man I'll answer that in two ways. One, in terms of rewarding without just, just rewarding as a fulfillment point of view, it's one of the most fulfilling things I've done uh, as a person um, um, in, my, in, in my career in terms of uh, helping people to to figure out business model and grow their business. So I, I, I find that very rewarding. Financially, I wouldn't say it is really, really that rewarding yet. Um, we, we do make money from consulting uh, we do make money from uh, some of the programs that we do but we're talking to entrepreneurs that are still trying to figure out things themselves so financially it could be big and i i'll I talk more about it the also boot camp uh, as as a means as a product that could be huge but for now most of starters work has been uh, consulting which can be hard. Uh, you get a you get you get a client, and they pay you some, maybe thirty thousand dollars or forty thousand dollars, and then you work with them for a few months, and then it might take a bit of time for you to get someone else. So yeah. it's paying the bill for the for my for my for my staff. Uh, but for me, uh, I've been living on. <laughs> I've been living on some of my some of the money that I made from our previous business and maybe living on my wife like most of us do sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I've, I've certainly been a listener of your podcast since inception, but I got really, really, really outstanding reviews for, you know, your Hustle Bootcamp product that I want us to talk about later on. Our head of growth, Tayo Akinyemi, um, dipped into your program and really had incredible things to say, which piqued my curiosity about the thinking behind it, perhaps some of the foundational values that are driving you as a person. But I, I'm sitting here trying to draw a, a line between the dots of your life as as I've sort of happened upon them, you know, on the internet. Uh, I see here uh, on LinkedIn, for instance, that you have a BSc in marine biology from the University of Lagos, an MSc in sustainable environmental management from Middlesex University, and then a PhD in environmental management from the University of West England. Like, what part of that foundation has been necessary or even formative to the work you're doing now? So educationally, I'm looking at these things and I'm trying to see a link here. Give me a sense of, of what you know, what your passions were educationally, what you pursued academically uh, has to do with what you now do today. When I tell people that my background is in uh, academic, they, they are curious to know what sort of academic stuff that I pursue. And then they are always surprised to hear that it's, it has nothing to do with what I'm doing now. Um, marine biology has nothing to do with what I'm doing now. Uh, actually, it was just a course that was available for me to do at the University of Lagos. Uh, I wanted to go to the University of Lagos. So I wouldn't take any other, any other universities. I, I ended up doing that course. And at the end of that, I I, I realized that I, I'm, I, I'm really passionate about the environment, about uh 
some of the challenges that is facing Nigeria at that time, or oil spillage and, and um, Niger Delta crisis. And I wanted to pursue that as a career. And then I ended up going to Middlesex and then I got a scholarship to do PhD in air quality management. Um, but then I did I did work as an academic for a few years before starting my first business, which I, I exited um, uh, three years after, and then I became a VC and I went into tech fully. Now, your question is how what what has all of this contributed to what I'm doing now? I think yeah, there has been a bit of um, what I call um, uh, what's the right word for this? Uh, I kind of uh, I think the big word is pedagogy where i look at things from 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 a teaching point of view so and that's why when i came to when i started coming to nigeria and i said okay the challenge here is entrepreneurs need to have high capacity what do i want to do about that i want to teach them <laughs> and because i'm coming from that angle and i want to teach them how to build high growth business or i want to enable a client so even when we work with our client uh, as a consultant we do come and say we're going to build your, your strategy for you i want to teach you how to run it how to do it we're going to set up your team so i'm always coming from that angle of teaching because that's my background that's what i'm passionate about so say, uh, I'll, I'll tell our client that we're going to help you to do this so that you don't depend on us later on we're going to enable your team to be able to do data-driven marketing themselves that i think has been from my previous life as an academic so i'm looking for processes i'm looking for um, repeatable systems and also teaching that to other people and, and breaking things down. So for I will talk again about it, the also bootcamp and the way I approached it was purely from an academic point of view. What are the key systems, repeatable systems that entrepreneurs need to know uh, for them to that, that they can pick up and run their own business? And so again, that comes from my from my background as a PhD in environmental management, but then applying that same principle in entrepreneurship now. So then where did you do the learning necessary to succeed at something like meals.co.uk, which was the, the business you built and, and exited? So give me a sense of what went into making that a success and how big a success was it? Exit's a big is a big buzzword at the moment. Uh, did that leave you in um, <laughs> in like in good stead? <laughs> for yeah, the, it, for okay, do, I'll answer that Do your that babies one. have trust funds? <laughs> <laughs> no, my babies don't have trust funds. I still have to work on my living later on, um, more and more. Uh, it wasn't a big exit. It wasn't a very successful. Uh, it wasn't a massive one. Uh, actually, I would say I was lucky because... The business became very super competitive that we couldn't compete with uh, our major competition then. We, and they raised, our competition raised about $750 million in total now. And they're, they're multi-billion dollar business. And the, and the, the thing was for us to have maybe gone out of business or died totally. But I was lucky. I got, um, I, I got approached by uh, a bigger player in the market, Just Eat. And they came and said, we're going to partner with you. We're going to uh, work with you to build out this aspect of the business that they are not going into. Because they are the biggest player. They are not doing what we are doing. We are like the startup that want to disrupt them. And, and our competition has raised a lot of money. They see that as a threat. And then they see us as this number two that they can work with. So, uh, so and who, who was the competitor that you couldn't compete with? Deliveroo. Oh my! Yeah, yeah what a monster! All over. Yeah, yeah, they become a monster. We, we, we couldn't compete with them financially because they raised money. They, they, they ran out of the gate faster than us in terms of raising money. And, and but and same our, idea, right? Same idea. We started at the same time. And the, and the VC just told me, I mean, we had like a term sheet uh, on the table and the VC that wanted to lead our round just said, hey, we like your idea. We, we think this could be huge. But Index is funding Deliveroo. They just got their Series A. That time, Deliveroo was raising like, I think they raised $4.5 million. So they just raised $4.5 million. And we think this business, we need more money. But Index has got more money than us. Uh, than, than, and we think this market is too small for, for us to be competing with Index. So we're going we're gonna to take a pass on this. And so it was It was my first big lesson about uh, winner takes all or winner takes most markets that you can have a fantastic idea, execute well, but then if you don't, if you don't capitalize quickly, you might die. Um, so so the, the option for me was to give up, uh, but I decided to continue a bit and then I got 
justice who who came in as uh, as the knight in shining armor and rescued me. So they absorbed my business and 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 I built out their their delivery um, platform and their delivery network in Bristol and proved it out for them. So I would say the exit is. It's not like you, the standard exit where they buy the business. It was just okay, bid it up for us, and we pay you out to go off. So they paid me out. They paid me out in, in, in some money that, that is en- enough for me to try and work in Africa and start up for more than a year without getting paid. So it's like, that, the, cla- it's like the classic, uh, you know that that uh, movie shot of the hero walking out of the walking out of the you know the ocean in slow motion <laughs> yes 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 with, so the, wa- with the water dripping off his back <laughs> rather than him dying off in the, in the movie yes so as just, opposed to like being shot in the water yeah he just came out and, yeah, and sinking to the bottom <laughs> yes and so he just came out and said, okay i can survive this but then what i did which was uh, again uh, going back to your original question about how rewarding this could have this is i had an option to say okay i'm going to continue the uk and, and be what i'm doing again or start another business but i i went into vc immediately i started uh, i joined a vc firm and then i decided to invest in africa and invest my time because i said okay i've got some time i've got some maybe money that can last me for some time i'm going to just invest in it on this continent so so you know what i want to i want to ask about you know how a niger born boy slash environmental management phd in bristol ends up surfing a pretty promising wave frankly i mean you had you been part of the founding team of deliveroo i mean i don't know if i'd be able to get you on a call still you know what i mean (laughs) i mean you were clearly onto something really you know lucrative and important um, you were spot on in that regard, but I'm I'm still trying to see what it was in your past up to that point that would have prepared you for that or put you onto this as an opportunity and set you up to have a conversation with people who see potential and certainly to be able to deliver on that potential within a business like Just Eats. You know, so I'm trying to figure this out. What am I missing? Oh, okay. You're talking about how do I how did I ideate that business? Um, yeah, like, but how did it all come together? I mean, people listening right now are listening to us from all over the world. People who make some assumptions about where you were born, how you were raised, mm. where you, your background in that regard. I haven't asked you about your life prior to to England, where you you know, or, or, or even prior to to the University of Lagos and so on and so forth. So, I mean, join the dots for me. To like, how do you end up in a room with investors on the other side of the table saying? We'd put a lot more money in your business to set you off if it wasn't for the fact that Deliveroo just landed all this money. Like, how does that happen? Like, what's the providence around that to make that a reality for someone like you? Yeah, interesting. Uh, by the way, I did raise money before uh, we got to the Series A bit, actually. So, so how did I get there? Interesting. So yeah, the idea, the, the, yes. the people, the network required, the skill set required to be a startup founder, a founder, a foreign, a sort of immigrant founder in England. In retrospect, it's easy to, to see this now. But I mean, you were seriously on to like a massive trend. Yes, early yes. on. Like how did that... How did you call it? How did uh, that all come together? Uh, okay, I'll tell you the story of how it started. So I, I was doing my postdoc uh, research fellowship. Uh, I was pretty secure as an uh, as a, as an academic. Uh, I was probably maybe uh, I enjoyed my PhD. I enjoyed the freedom it gave me. But when I started my my postdoc, I wasn't really getting fulfilled. It was nine to five. It was too boxed up, and and I wasn't doing well. I, I was just uh, I was just restless. Uh, it, it was just not me. Uh, I was doing some consulting work. I was doing some teaching. I was writing proposal for a big research projects, but I wasn't really feeling it. Um, and then I, I I just bought a house then in the UK, and I, I needed to. Uh, I said okay, I needed maybe extra income. I, so I needed something to fill in my time in the evening rather than just watching Netflix. So I decided to take up a job 
as a delivery driver just in the evening and I said, okay, I want to take on something that will not task my brain and and, it's, and I enjoy driving in, in Bristol. Bristol is a very beautiful city. Uh, I'll just take, uh, I just applied to this job as a delivery driver for a restaurant and it was a posh restaurant, very good restaurant in, in Bristol. They just started doing delivery for some of their customers that are asking them for delivery uh, and they have about four restaurants uh, in the chain and they needed maybe a delivery driver to just come around. So I just said, okay, I'm going to do two days. So I go there and I was, I'll be on the, I'll be at a restaurant. They'll call me up. Uh, I said, okay, we got delivery. We got delivery at this particular address and I'll go and deliver. And I'll, I would do maybe like four deliveries a night. And I was thinking, these guys are paying me about £6.50 an hour. Um, so they pay me maybe about 25 or 28 dollars, 28 pounds for the whole night, but I only do like four deliveries. So it's not really profitable for them, but they want to keep their customers and they want to keep them happy. So surely there must be a more efficient way of doing this for restaurants that don't normally do delivery. So just a back background in the UK, restaurants can be classified into the ones that do delivery, the takeaway restaurants and the ones that don't. That was before then. Uh, the ones that don't are like better quality restaurants and they don't have drivers in, in front of the shop waiting to do delivery. The ones that don't, they have that logistic setup and they are, they are on Just Eat where you can, you can they aggregate those restaurants and you can pick up, you can order and then they send the delivery to you. And these good restaurants that don't do delivery, they don't do it because A, they think their food cannot travel, but most importantly, they don't have the logistics for that. So I started ideating that. I said, what about if we... If we aggregate these restaurants together and they don't have to worry about the logistics, we just set them up online and people can order and, and we get the driver or the delivery guys to go and pick it up and deliver for them. So we can now do delivery for a restaurant that don't typically do delivery. That was end of 2011. And I was telling some people about it. And a few people said, it's not going to work. How do you how do you coordinate the ride, the drivers? And I was thinking, yeah, but mobile phone is there. You can just you can just create an app or just aggregate them using an app. But anyway, I started ideating it and I said, I'm going to do this. So uh, I, I then spoke to the restaurant I was working at. I said, I'm going to aggregate you guys together. I'm going to get more restaurants on this. Uh, initially, it started with me just hiring more drivers and they were just calling those drivers. They will call me up and those drivers will, will go and deliver. So very basically manual. And then I launched the website and I added more Dry, I added more restaurants. I remember my first restaurant that I called uh, initially with this idea, uh, apart from the one I was working with, I told, I just called, I said, hey, I know you don't do delivery, but I can help you set everything up. You just uh, you just pay me 30% of the food uh, ordered. And they said, you are mad. And then uh, that, that one didn't pick up. Then the second one, um, the, the guy said, okay, let's have a chat about this. And I went to that restaurant. It was an Indian restaurant. And I said, I'm going to do everything for you. I'm going to put you on the website. I'm going to get the drive, drivers to come and pick up the food. And I, you just pay me 30% of the food ordered. And the guy said, okay, fine. But 25%. And, and then we agreed on 25%. And I knew then that I've got a business. If the guy can agree on 25%, somebody else will agree on 30%. So I went to the next restaurant and I signed them up at 30% and I signed up a lot of restaurants. So I started doing that. I got initially angel investment from, from some of my friends. And then I did all the classic mistakes that entrepreneurs make, which is spend too much money on marketing, hire the wrong people, uh, got an office because I thought that's what entrepreneurs normally have, printed a card, have like landline num uh, phone, all stuff. It just wasted quite a number of money. Welcome but, to the club. <laughs> but then things changed when I was running out of money. I've left my job then. I wanted to do this um, because I wanted to give it a shot. Uh, and then I saw that one particular startup online. And then I used to read a lot. I was reading everything about entrepreneurship. I was writing my business business uh, plan myself. I was just getting, I was just deep diving into everything that I can get. I was soaking all the knowledge I can. Uh, watching, watching shows on entrepreneurship and just getting into the idea. Then I discovered that- And this is like what, 2012, 2013? Uh, 2012. So late in okay. 2011, early 2012. Okay. And then, so actually, no, 20, 2012 to 2013. So 2012 okay. was when I launched the platform uh, originally. And then towards the end of 2012, I saw online that a particular startup raised money in the middle of, in, 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 in Midland, which is Birmingham area. And I was looking at their website and I saw the names of the, investors that, that had invested in, in his company and I was googling them and I googled one of them and I realized that he has like a boutique 
um, boutique uh, investment vehicle where you invest in startup and you ask people to uh, to, uh, to apply. Uh, it's just uh, if you have an idea, you want to scale it, apply and we will invest in you. And I did apply. So I applied. I wrote by my idea. I say, but at that time, it was called food couriers. That were food couriers. We're based in Bristol. We're aggregating restaurants. I don't typically deliver. We're doing all of this and we're, we're, we're making some money, but uh, we know this can scale. And then a few days after, I was on holiday uh, in, in Scotland uh, with my family. And I got an email from the guy and he said, oh, what you are doing is not going to work. It's stupid. Just it is going to kill you. And uh, I was a bit dejected. I felt, hmm. Uh, this is this is the first external investor that that would give me this kind of verdict, hmm. and I felt um, should I respond to him or should I just say okay maybe it's true and then f- for uh, just just move on, but I said actually actually I've got a PhD I know how to argue I, I'm going to respond to him and just I, I, I tell him ten reasons why he's wrong okay and why <laughs> I'm going to succeed so I wrote him ten reasons why we're different from just it why this is going to scale and why it's wrong and and the last bit was uh, even though if this is not going to work i'm going to try it anyway and it's not for you to tell me that it's stupid there's <laughs> uh, that niger born boy uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and i sent it to him and this is this is a millionaire right this is an investor right yeah and it wasn't sit rude. down sit it, down it, it wasn't rude i just said uh, i'm gonna basically was like i'm gonna you die just trying. politely showed him you you <laughs> Politely offered him a seat. That's yeah, all. <laughs> I'm gonna die trying. And then within a few minutes, he replied back and said, This is good. Let's have a chat. Let's meet up in London. So what? Wow. Wow. I, apparently he was waiting for an argument. So and then wow. we met in London uh for a coffee. And he said, Yeah, what you're doing? And he looked at it and said, Okay, what you're doing, this can be huge. But you're not you're approaching it the wrong way. How much have you raised? So I raised some money from friends and we we valued it at this X amount. He said, Your valuation is too low. You need to increase it. You, you've given too much of your equity away initially. I'm gonna invest. I'm gonna get my friends to invest, but you need to increase your valuation. And it just basically changed my life. It just changed everything. Just I, that it, is insane. I that mean, is insane. How is it I've <laughs> never heard the story, Dotu? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe we've not had too much coffee. We we not had too much drinks together enough. No, to, to we share. haven't sat down long enough. Clearly, <laughs> yeah. So it was like it was like change. It just changed my view. So you need to increase your valuation. It drew a map for me. So okay, if you raise money here and you give it too much now, you're not gonna get the right investors later on. And it just basically taught me startup one on one. And it's and also said you have a co-founder at that point. I don't have. So you need to get a co-founder. You need to get a CTO. You need to you need to hone your technology. You need to scale this. And basically, and it's, and it's I'm gonna write you a check. Uh, I, I think that time it wanted to do like fifty thousand pounds and he said i'm going to get my friends to to also invest and i was going back to bristol on the train and he, he sent me an email i said doctor you need to think bigger and, and immediately introduced me to and his name is doug scott by the way and it's been doug has been one of the most uh, prominent and impactful person in my entrepreneurial career so far he's uh, been following everything i do he's been investing and uh, actually he also put some money in starter as well he's been investing and doing it since then he's been my biggest supporter wow. and he's and he introduced me to a friend of his and the friend just replied immediately yeah let's have a chat as well and um it's funny, another story about a friend um, uh, wanted to meet me and we fixed the time to meet in London. He said, yeah, I'll be in London at so-so time. Let's, let's, let's have a chat. Let, let me know more about your business. And the day before that, so apparently he sent me the wrong date. So he said, hey, Dr. are you coming to London today? I'm in London. I said, oh, but it's tomorrow. The day I agreed to is tomorrow. Uh, and I said, but anyway, I'm going to be in London now. I, I, I'll leave my house. I remember where I was. I was in my bedroom and I saw the email. I said, yeah, I'm going to come now anyway. Uh, don't worry. Forget about the mistake. I'm going to come now. And that was super impressive to him because he felt, oh, you're so very flexible. You are a diehard person. So I met up with him, told him about the business. And the guy said, I'm going to invest as well. So they became, a, and he said they want to invest more than dog. And then it became a bit of a fight about who is going to invest more and stuff. And it drew more other angel investors in. So I, I, I did my first external series um, seed round or, or mini pre-seed round. And a few months after I raised money from, from, from a VC. And, and that was how we started scaling. Wow, um, what a story. 
And none of them. Story. Do you remember like one of the things, sorry, and none of them? None of them is black, by the way. None of them uh, is African in any way. So and none of them, are, most of, all my angel investors and I got introduced to that invested. Actually, I did well getting money from angel investors because they bought into my story. So this is how I start my pitch with them. I said, hey, I'm an immigrant. I, I came to this country at that time, maybe 10 years ago. I came with very small money in my pocket. I started a PhD, blah, blah. But I'm, I'm planning to live with more money in my pocket. But I want to build a massive business and I want to make an impact. And that's how I start my study most of the time. And they see me as this diehard African that is coming here to build massive business in the UK. <laughs> oh, my word. How much of this little piece you just told me now um, speaks to seeing your background and everything you've come from as a massive asset as opposed to a limiting factor? And, and do you think that's a chronic issue other Africans struggle with? There is the reality of Africans not getting funded as much as um, a Caucasian uh, or European in the UK or even non, non, non-British person getting funded in the UK. There is that aspect of it. Um, but once one can get uh, away from the mindset that I cannot pitch in front of uh, a non-African person, you need to go out there and pitch. And, and, and sometimes people judge you by the quality of your idea. But I also understand, and I think some people will hold that view as well, that um, people invest in people, and I, and I agree with that. And so sometimes it's very easy for a Caucasian uh, a, a, a British uh, VC who, who, who studied in, in, in Oxford uh, uh, or Cambridge to invest in someone else who studied in Oxford and is white like him or her because there's that relate, relatability. And I see that as well in Nigeria where uh, a VC uh, like me will, uh, or investor like me will likely invest in a Nigerian that studied in the UK or US and and I speak certain way uh, or I've worked in certain places, worked in Facebook or Google and I'll be biased towards that person than a Nigerian who studied all their life in Nigeria and 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 so, so there's that and I can see that going through. But for for an entrepreneur you need to see beyond that yourself. Yes, acknowledge that it is there, but don't let that be a limiting factor. Just go for it. The quality of your idea, the quality of your personality uh can go a long way as well to open doors to to you, so when I when I when I talk about my story in in, in uh, when I share my story to a lot of African audience, they sometimes wonder how did you raise money from non Africans in the UK and uh, who don't know you from anywhere. And uh, basically, it's the quality of my idea and the quality of my personality, uh, uh, or, or, or my personality, not quality of it, but, but, but the, the way I approach them, uh, and they can see that this is a genuine business that can scale, and they can and they can. They, so apart from them wanting to support an entrepreneur, they can see something valuable in, in the idea itself. Why would a story like yours be unlikely within the context of black society or African society or pan-African society? Or, or maybe, maybe I'm not onto how in some ways your story actually is many other people's story out there within, within the context of our society. I think my story is not that unique uh, to a lot of entrepreneurs in Africa as well. There are some people that have raised money, in, in especially in Nigeria, from people that they don't know at all. That maybe they sent a pitch deck to and they and they call them up. Maybe maybe in an argumentative way like mine, where I argue with Doug and he became my investor. But I've heard of. I mean, there are like Paystack, for example, is a fantastic story of founders who built their business and they got investment and raised lots of money without knowing too many investors from the world go. And there are a few other people like that too. But I think there is validity validity in biases. And biases, especially in, in, in a venture is real especially when investors are kind of guided and they only get um, leads from 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 introductions and and they want to invest in risky businesses based on something that they can relate to uh, and and that lends itself to a lot of biases about who the founder is or who you think the founder is or where it's from um, so if, if your question is around that uh, yeah. yes there is that bias and I don't know how to solve it because I mean I've been on the other side as well where I'm evaluating deals and I'm looking at various points that I'm checking to see whether this deal makes sense to me or not and part of it is can I relate to this founder can I do I see this founder as a person who can build this business to, to a place where is financially rewarding for us as a VC 
And so why would your next step from this experience be, you know, venture capital as opposed to rinse and repeat? That's a super interesting question. Um, So when I left uh, my other business, um, uh, there were other ideas that were was milling around my head because I've not done this and now I know how to, I know where I failed, I know where I've made mistakes and I know how to do this better and there are some some of my angel investors were ready to back me up again. Uh, but I had I had a good chat with Doug. I remember that chat when I when he called me, when we started speaking, and he said, um, yes, you can do something in the UK, but you'll make more impact in Africa because you are ahead of the curve. I think you used that word. You are ahead of the curve for most people uh, that want to do something similar to you. Uh, and it was that sentence that said you can make more impact in Africa that actually got me. And he said, I can give you uh, a, a very good way to get into this. Uh, we each, He was just building out his own VC firm. And he said, I want to invest in entrepreneurs like you, uh, but in Africa. Is that potential VC? Potential VC. So, And he said, I, I, why don't you lead that for us? Why don't you focus on Africa and look for entrepreneurs uh, that you that you can invest in in Africa. And so that was a very safe landing ground for me to to join Potential VC and and instead of just starting another business on my own uh, and and again, to look to, to come into Africa uh, just because I can make more impact in Africa uh, through what I'm doing than in the UK. In the UK, yes, I'll start another business. Maybe it can be, it can be another, it can be a billion dollar business or it might, it might fail or it might be the middle of the road like uh, my previous business uh, or, I might be, or I might be saved by the bell. But in Africa, I know that I could make, I, I can make impact. Uh, I could, I'll make money, but I can make huge impact. And I'm from Africa. But why well. this thesis? You've said this more than once so far. You know, this aspiration to to help and grow or find and you know invest in the next billion dollar business. Why mm. that obsession? So two things: opportunity. So if you look at it from a financial point of view, the challenges in Africa present opportunities. Right. There's so many things that have been done here in the UK or US that in Africa, they, they're not yet done and government cannot do them. And it just presents itself for an entrepreneur to solve that problem. So that's from opportunity angle. But there are also the population. Look at look at the share population of Africa and the age of that population, how young it is. We've never been disconnected, diseducated, this uh, socially upwardly mobile, even financially rich. We've never been this rich as, as, as a population, even though we have challenges. And that growth is going to continue. So that presents opportunities for entrepreneurs to come in and build businesses to serve that population or to solve some of the problems that that population is facing, whether it's in healthcare or financial financial services or education or, or even data. There's massive amount of money to be made from data in Africa or, 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 or commerce or, or many things. So if, if you look at it from that macro level, it's a huge opportunity in Africa. Now, for me as an African, and this is what I used to say when I was coming to Nigeria, I said, I can stay back in the UK, maybe join a startup or start another startup and be reading about what is happening in Africa from The Economist or reading it um, from, from uh, Times Magazine, or I could jump into the ring myself and be part of it and rather than being the one clapping for other people on the stage but be on the stage as well when these things is being done so the way i look at it is like india 15 years ago even though africa is not homogeneous like india but it's like india uh 10 or 15 years ago or, or silicon valley 40 for 50 years ago uh, even though there's several countries in africa but i see opportunity in countries like nigeria ghana south africa kenya uganda uh uh, uh senegal uh I see huge opportunities there and I think it's just crazy for me not to be part of it. So, I mean, I, I buy into those macros. It's just, um, you know, there's so many ways to do good business and cumulatively, if enough of us do, the economics of that work out for everybody. I just, you know, I suppose I'm at the stage in my inquiry within the space where I, I, I'm starting to question why VCs seem obsessed. I mean, beyond the obvious model that demands high growth, high return businesses, like what's with that obsession? Are there not other places we can or other healthier obsessions to nurse within this context? <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? You mean, you mean obsession about Africa or what? At this point, I think it's fair to say I have a beef with the prevailing doctrine of VC. Okay. But I, I think specific to the continent i feel 
that profitable small, medium-sized businesses, I mean, people are sleeping on just how important they are to the overall narrative we're trying to advance on the continent regarding wholesale economic progress. And I feel like VC misapplied is often an impediment to that narrative, you know, unfolding correctly. My observations and the conversations I'm having right now just lead, lead me to this sort of mind space at the moment. I see your point, though, but, but a couple of things I want to highlight there. One is we need to decouple the African rising story that was that was written a few years ago by, I think it's The Economist or, or an, another magazine. And that, that was a big, um, it was a big PR move and, and, and it's, it's fizzled out now. Uh, it's not that real. Some of those macro th- story about Africa rising, it's not, it's, it's not playing out as it's supposed to be. So, but it helps drive that move, that rush for Africa. And some people that jumped in, some of them are left now about, and, and the real people stayed. So we need to decouple that. That's number one. Number two, the VC as, um, as an industry, it's a very small segment of the private equity. It's an asset class in the private equity, right? And if you look at the amount of money that have gone in, into Africa from private equity standpoint of view, VC will be like less than 5% or 4% or then about. And a VC industry in Africa is very, very new. Actually, VC industry in Africa is like a startup. Okay, everybody's still trying to figure out things. Uh, and in a startup, there are a few things that, that, that when we go through, there'll be a lot of circles that we we'll go through. But what, one thing is very, very important when you're starting this kind of industry is the hype. The hype needs to be there. The hype about the kind of businesses they are going after and a sub-segment of the businesses they are going after are high-growth, tech-enabled, innovative businesses. And that will be a very, very small segment of the kind of businesses that happens in Africa. The most important or the largest segment of business in Africa will be SMEs, will be the madam or the lady who is selling um, groceries in front of her house in, in, in Lagos um, and um, millions of them all over Africa who are serving their community and making money to pay their rent or pay their students' school fees. That's the most, those are the most important fabric of the, uh, of, of the business world in Africa. But the VC have to actually target not those people, but high growth, big, scalable businesses that can make huge impact. Now, they need to talk about it as if it's the most important thing that, that has, that's ever happened to the continent. And they need to continuously do that in order to attract the right investors, to attract the right in, uh, entrepreneurs to build those kind of businesses. But I agree with you, it's not the only story. Now, and it's we, probably like the most, I suppose it's getting the most airtime right now. And maybe that's why it, it's annoying me and perhaps unfairly, I mean, because like you say, people are just trying to figure it out. Yeah. And again, because we, you and I live in a bubble where we, we, uh, the, every other person that we meet is, is saying the same thing because we are in that bubble. <laughs> and I, I, I was um I was at a co- I was at a cocktail recently in Lagos uh, where there are private equity guys, and that was a different bubble. These guys are talking differently. They they raise more money than VC firms uh, in in Lagos. They are talking to businesses that are, that we don't talk to. They, they, one of them was saying, "Oh, our, our ticket size is five million dollars. That's the that's the that's the minimum that we write to a business." Right. These are, these are manufacturing businesses, agri, agri businesses. These are businesses that employ loads of people and are very super profitable. They live in a different bubble. So when we talk about our own business, oh, they just raised Series A, $8 million. Say, okay, really? Okay, that's a small, that's a small ticket. Uh, talk, talk to me when they want to raise bigger rounds uh, or when they are making more money or when they've employed thousands of people. But, but I agree with you that in our own bubble, we hear this thing too much. But I, I need to say something about VC model in Africa, by the way. I think VC model in Africa needs to be totally and radically different from the VC model in the US or UK. Uh, we need to stop this copy and paste that we have from the Silicon Valley, uh, but we need to adapt it in a different way. And I think there needs to be some focus. And that's why I like what uh, my friend, all I know is trying to do uh, uh, to the Ventures Platform because I, I, I'm, I'm part of Ventures Platform working in some ways in shaping uh, things that we're doing there. And looking beyond 
technology businesses, looking beyond online digital businesses, but looking for innovation everywhere. So businesses like one of the businesses that we, we invested in recently is called MDAS, which is Medical Diagnostic as a Service. They build diagnostic centers, medical diagnostic centers. They're iCapex businesses, and they're going to scale not like your standard e-commerce business. They're going to scale in a different way. And I think there needs to be a rethink about how VC models should be in Africa, uh, um, totally different from your standard um, tech, tech-only tech digital businesses in, in places like the Silicon Valley and London. So you notice I, I didn't interrupt you at all because I feel like um, when issues of this nature are impacted in the, in the way you have now, uh, I, I think it really is a service to our ecosystem, to observers of this ecosystem. And I take your point fully um, on the chin regarding the bubble we're in. And I suppose my bleeding heart <laughs> is, is mostly just because of the under-politicized nature of, of the role of digital in Africa's economic future. And, and I suppose the bubble I'm in, or the bubble I'm, I'm mostly in, houses what I would consider what many consider technologies that could prove to be multipliers in ways that very little else can and will be in the future and of course i may be wrong about that perhaps uh, the future will tell but maybe that's why i feel so burdened about this particular space and and the rhetoric that surrounds it we need to have that conversation going forward by the way yeah uh, we need to we need to continue because the venture industry in in Africa needs to be totally totally different and it yeah. needs to serve uh, the continent well for example the question about billion dollar valuation businesses uh, it has to be unique in Africa it has to be Probably, in my opinion, it has to be about revenue uh, because we don't have that kind of exit. Um, we can't have, as poster children for success, what's going on with Jumia, for example, in my opinion. Correct, correct, correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, so one of the thesis that we, we looked at at Ventures Platform was rather than being fixated on this valuation, we're fixated on revenue. And yeah. in the sense that, can we invest in businesses that will generate $100 million revenue per annum at some point? Can this business be as big and can this entrepreneur or this business model serve that? And, and that looking at that as the as a North Star for what you're looking for rather than valuation, because valuation is premised on the fact that there are other people that will buy it. <laughs> there is a mature public market or there are mature uh, secondary buyers that will, that will buy it. There is, there is a very sophisticated M&A structure. Uh, and those are the assumptions that VC in the Silicon Valley have when they're talking you're about being valuation. You're being very kind. You're being very very kind because <laughs> I, I I see the the assumptions being made. Frankly, um, <laughs> something more akin to a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> okay, yeah, we're going to what? Um, but I'm, what I'm it, being rather I'm being unfair. <laughs> but I mean, to to some extent, I suppose that it's worst. Really, it's it's nothing more than being part of a system that guarantees. Uh, a return on investment without actual value being created. And it guarantees return on investment for very few people, for very yeah. few players. Yes. And so it enables a lot of people to play, but only very few players get results. So <laughs> the top startups are the one, the top entrepreneurs will be the one that will get, get the exit if yeah. there is one. And then the top VC firm are the one that will return the fund. Most VCs will fail. <laughs> and even in the value as well, most VCs don't return fund. Yeah. And so, yes. But, it, but uh, all this happens whether or not the actual investment vehicle delivers actual value in hard capitalist terms. <laughs> uh, yes. But although if you look at most of the companies that are bought, whether they, they, whether they went to public market or they were bought by another company, um, there's a value that they are delivering. So so WhatsApp was bought by Facebook, even though they are not making a lot of money, because there's an intrinsic value that Facebook is seeing in WhatsApp. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. I, I, I get your point. And I, I, do, I do know that there are limits to my skepticism. Uh, <laughs> but I and, see your skepticism, by the way. I, I have that as well, to some yeah. extent. But then I approached that by saying, okay, we need to we need to design a different form of way of in, in investing in companies Let's in Africa. Let's do business, Dotun. What about business? Let's do business. Because I sense that's what you are into. I feel that perhaps uh, intuitively, whether you realize it or not, you intuitively had have a solid sense, even when you know, you're telling me the story for how you came upon the gap that meals.co.uk later you know, sought to close. I feel like you have a very sensible, maybe intuitive sense for value 
and and being able to create value and being able to monetize that value that perhaps is missing in many uh, a VC I meet who aren't the poster children for meritocracy um, that you represent. Your spot in the driver's seat of a VC team, I think, has been won through blood, sweat, and tears in a way that might not be true for a lot of VCs who are operating today. And I say that with respect, and I don't necessarily think that immediately writes off anyone who hasn't had an entrepreneurial experience. But I do think that um, even when I observe from a distance what you're doing with Starter, I feel like the DNA of what you're doing, this will probably be the segue where I ask you to, to, to talk about the, the sort of online learning platform you've built. Like everything I've seen you do since you've come onto my radar has been linked to actual value in a way that I think is lacking in many, many you know, VCs slash investor types in your space or outside of it. Maybe because I'm, I, I'm an operator at heart. If, if I take off my shirt, what you're going to find is that I'm a startup guy through and through, I want to be. I still want to be a startup guy, and as and I'm not actually ruling out founding uh, another startup at some point. Um, at some point, so I'm just throwing that out there. If I see the right opportunity or the right start of line, I will still throw myself in the ring and found something again. But I approach everything. You're right uh, to some extent, and you're very kind. And uh, uh, the way you cut, cut, categorize it is no. Uh, but I'm also just being honest. I'm just calling it like I see it. So for me, it's about it's about me being an operator. I, I, I'm most alive when I'm building stuff, um, especially at the beginning. That's the most interesting part of it for me. So the, that's the way I approach the also bootcamp. By the way, so the also bootcamp again, uh, I looked at it. Okay. How do I serve these entrepreneurs I'm trying to teach about how to build high growth business? Now, some of them are already business people. Some of them know how to trade. Uh, if you go to Nigeria, the first person you're going to meet at the airport is trying to sell you something, possibly. Yeah. So most Nigerians know how to sell. You don't teach Nigerians how to sell. We know how to sell from when we were born. And when we came out of the mother's womb, we we're telling the doctor we wanted to sell you something from the other <laughs> one. It's very easy for us to sell. But how do you build <laughs> build a high growth business in, in Nigeria. That's something that is still foreign to us because we don't have a lot of mentors on, 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 on that. So I decided to say, okay, let me start a boot camp that would just critically answer a few questions. And again, I also understand that you don't teach entrepreneurs in the classroom. It's a waste of time to be taking them to this MBA kind of courses. That's not how entrepreneurs get to learn. What you do is to challenge them to ask questions and you point them to the right place where they can seek answers to those questions. So, and I said, what are the key fundamental things that I, I would have loved to know when I started Mr. Kudo UK uh, that I had to seek myself and, and, and search myself? And there are five things. One, how do you ideate a, a high growth scalable business? So ideation, how do you validate it and launch it? Quickly go out and validate your ideas. So so launch. How do you grow it after you started launching it? How do you do marketing without spending so much money like I spent on marketing and spending money on advertisement? How do you do that? And the fourth one, how do you gather the right people to join you? How do you build a team? Uh, because the kind of team that joins a startup is totally different from the one that done an established business. I don't make the same mistake that I made by hiring somebody who is, who is a top uh, marketing director from somewhere to come and join my startup and paying a lot of money to you. Uh, who doesn't understand how to roll up, roll up their sleeves and work like a startup how do you build the right team and the final one is how do you raise money so i condensed that into five model course and and the basic thing is to to ask those questions and go through um each each lessons and and they are all like simple less than 15 minutes lesson in each model and each model has about 10 lessons and they were basically asking the right question pointing them to the right places i start the course by saying that everything i'm going to tell you here they are not new you can get them going to youtube and listening to some people that are smarter and more experienced and more successful than me. But what I'm doing here is to actually make you face those questions and I'm condensing them and curating them for you and teaching you from my own experience and from my failures and successes as well. So wow. I did it initially as an offline program over a weekend. So talking about MVP and, and these entrepreneurs, about 18 of them came and they paid for it. And then the feedback was amazing. Some of them were able to change their business model. Some of them were launching a new business and I followed up with them afterwards and I got more feedback and I used that feedback to then write the program uh, as an online course. And we did it. So I recorded it as an online course. Actually, I, I, I started and so again, startup 
start up thinking. So we're going to do this as online course. Put it on our platform, on our, on our newsletter. Say, please uh, register for this. Uh, this is going to be a five-week program online. Uh, and I got people registered that I started recording. So mm. I got an interest for it before I started recording. So I was recording every week. So, uh, and then we, we deliver it to them. And so it's recorded and they get it online. But I also looked at other online courses and why they've not been successful. And I know that some of the online courses that I've seen that people don't finish is because one, it's just there. You give them too much information and they're overwhelmed. So they can't finish it. That's one. Two, there's no routine to it. So there's nothing forcing them to listen to it at a particular time. And three, there's no community. And four, some of them are free. So and what is free, people don't put value to it. So I try to address that by saying, okay, the also bootcamp is going, it's going to be co-op-based. So you join it, even though it's recorded, we're going to get a lesson every Monday. And then on Thursday, we're going to have a webinar, a live webinar, where we're going to be discussing what we learned on that Monday. And we're going to get a live guest as well, some entrepreneurs to come in and join the webinar. And also there's a community where they come online on a Slack group. Everybody that's joined, that, are, that are attended the also Bootcamp, they're on a group uh, Slack where we interact. They have access to me. They have access to my team. They can ask questions. They can interact, interact with each other. And I enable people to finish it or, or get more value from it. And they also pay for it. So they're paying $95. Although there's some entrepreneurs that couldn't pay, we got scholarship for them. But then they also pay as well. They pay maybe 5% of the fee. Yeah, so I, you, need I, the, you need them to have skin in the game. Yes, yes, yes. So the idea was to force them to ask questions around how do you build scalable, profitable business in Africa? How do you ideate it? How do you get funding for it? And how do you build a team around it? And it's about five-week program, uh, five weeks program that, that they go through. Uh, and when's the and next cohort beginning? Good question. So we're currently concluding a cohort now. The next one's going to be probably in February. And uh, and the reason why I said good question is that we're not rethinking how we can get this to more people. So as good as it is, a lot of feedback on it, it's, we're still maybe less than 120 people have done the, the program. We think we could reach out to more. Uh, we can do this through partnership. Um, um, and this is where we can then distribute it better. Uh, that, that's where we struggle. It's okay, can we partner with organizations or companies that have, that have vested in interest in building entrepreneurship capacity in Africa or in their own community. So they can say, we're going to take 2,100, uh, 1,000 spaces and we're going, to, we're going to sponsor this X amount of entrepreneurs. Uh, and the price can be a bit lower uh, than $95. And they can also set the criteria for the kind of entrepreneurs that they want to get on board. Uh, and then we can run cohort for them. So the course is already done, the, the program, the structure, and we can we can adapt a, little, a few things for that. But we're looking at the next cohort in, in, in February. At this stage, we're talking to a few partners to join us in that in that journey. So we might have more people that maybe listening to this as well that might want to join that. So Absolutely. Because, and I wholeheartedly um, encourage them to to sign up for that in the same breath um you know i wholeheartedly encourage all of you listeners um to check out dotun's building the future podcast wherever good podcasts can be found of course you could head to thestarter.com thestarter starter with an a.com to to check out everything we've been discussing about but we we don't have time now but dotun you're clearly going to need to be back on this show at some point to share what you're learning from all the incredible people you've had on your show. It's, it's 54 episodes deep. It's people like Obina Okwodu of, of Fiber.ng, um, Uche Ofodile, or, you know, the CEO of MTN Liberia, Tonya Bakang, who we've had on our show as well, the founder of AfroStream, of course, former CEO of that business, the inimitable Jason Njoku, who we've also had on our show. Um, these are just some of the heavies you've had on your show that make it essential listening for anyone who, who is desirous of a glimpse into what it's like to inhabit the trenches of Africa's tech and innovation scene um, being built from the ground up. Uh, certainly some of the most innovative people. When you're back on the show, and I, this is entrapment, um, straight up and down. <laughs> uh, when you're back on the show, I'll, I'll invite you to share you know, some of the things that filter to the top for you in terms of what you're learning from these individuals, like golden threads you've observed, anomalies, you know, that you might be able to point to, signals that um, you've, you've been able to, to call out. And, 
Yeah, I think just given everything you've shared with me so far about, you know, your background, the way you think, the way you process information, your your values, etc., I think you'd be a pretty valuable sieve to help us distill what people can now hear in long form currently on your podcast. Are you up for that? I'm up for that. And I should get you on my show as well, actually. <laughs> We've been talking about this for long. Uh, and I think we should put a date in the calendar for that to be able to make that happen. That would be great. I mean, you'd, you'd certainly be upgrading my swag by doing that. <laughs> <laughs> you, but, you're doing a fantastic job. I mean, I listened to your podcast before starting mine and I got inspired and, and, and got encouraged by that in many, many ways. Um, I, I'm currently starting a series in my podcast very soon on just uh, chronicling People that are building the, the ecosystem, the silent builders, the, the investors, nice, the incubators, nice. builder, the, the, the hub builders, uh, people that you don't re- read about them in the news uh, because nice. they're not the one that are, that, that are getting millions of dollars, nice. uh, but they are the one angel investing and doing stuff. So I'm already currently starting, I'll be starting about maybe by next year and I'll be maybe talking to you as well about a few things around that as well. Fantastic. Happy to take that offline. And thank, I mean, that sounds exciting. I, I'm, look, I'm already subscribed. So you have me. <laughs> but um, the other thing I do want you to talk about when you come back certainly is um, I, I want to get a better sense of how much time you're spending on, you know, the, the media efforts, certainly the, the ecosystem building efforts um, that Starter is doing, how much of that uh, you're doing versus, you know, creating pipeline for for investment. You're clearly plugged into very uh, well-heeled individuals who are sort of betting on our ecosystem uh, from afar. Uh, I want to get a sense of how actively you're still participating in that. Of course, you know, you, you hinted at what you might or might not do in dabbling in the world of startups. Uh, I, I certainly will follow, follow up uh, on that by asking you, you know, what where your heart is drawing you in that regard, if a good idea came up, which sort of area would, would be a difficult one to pass up if and when the opportunity arose. So again, since you've already agreed to be back on the show, I'm just teasing our listeners to let them know it's going to go down once again. Have to have Dotone back. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show and to our listeners, thanks for listening. But yeah, all the best with everything you're doing. Can't wait for the next cohort. I may just be signing up. Oh, thank you. I'll be looking forward to more chat with you about that. Thank you very much, Andile, for having me on your show. It's been super interesting. I really enjoyed my time here. Pleasure.